Hello, I'm Jeffrey Mishlove. About 25 to 30 years ago, I was visiting my mentor, Arthur M. Young, the inventor of the Bell helicopter and the author of uh, the reflexive universe and the geometry of meaning. Uh, he was also the founder of the Institute for the Study of Consciousness that he set up in Berkeley. I actually lived with him there for a period of time back in the 1970s. But this would have been late 1980s, early 1990s. And I visited Arthur at the Institute and uh, he had with him one of his dear old friends, Donald Fraser Key. And Donald uh, is somebody that Arthur and his wife Ruth had known going back to the 1940s when they were all active in an organization known as the World Federalist Society. These are very high-minded people, and uh, they were very interested in uh, world government, in the United Nations, in world peace, in global consciousness. And Donald Keyes had been involved in these movements for a very long time. And uh, at that meeting back then, so long ago, he gave me an unpublished copy of his autobiography, which I still have. And now Donald passed away in 2008, so uh, he's been gone for 10 years. But it's one of the most interesting autobiographies, very, very strange. And uh, in it, he makes the claim that he has been having regular, ongoing journeys in spaceships, in UFOs, and they have taken him to meet with the Galactic Federation, and he has even journeyed to other star systems, and he has been in communication with galactic beings who are from other star systems and who are in charge of those star systems and are considered like gods. Now, that's quite a claim to have been made by a man who might seem, you know, at least reasonably credible. Donald was, in his autobiography, very active since childhood, actually, in various organizations of an esoteric nature, in particular, uh, an organization known as the Arcane School, founded by Alice Bailey. Alice Bailey was, I guess you'd call her a channeler these days. She received, oh, it's, it's a whole shelf of books, an encyclopedia, <laughs> like about 20 volumes that she channeled, supposedly coming from higher consciousness, spiritual masters, the very same group of spiritual masters that supposedly were in touch with Madame Blavatsky and the Theosophists, the hidden masters. And Donald uh, really bought into that belief system completely. And it was involved in organizations associated with these hidden masters pretty much all of his life. And uh, that's what I think led him to the United Nations. And he at one time rose to become a speechwriter for Uthant, the Secretary General of the United Nations. He was also at one time the executive director of an organization called SANE, which, which was against nuclear armament. 
He worked closely with Norman Cousins, the editor of the Saturday Review, so uh, and Dr. Spock, <laughs> who was actively involved in SANE. Uh, so, Donald was very, very well known amongst progressive organizations in the 1940s, 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s. Eventually, he founded an organization known as Planetary Citizens. And, and I was a member at one time back in those years, probably 1980s or 70s even. He, the, the Planetary Citizens issued a, what they called the Planetary Passport. It was for people who thought we should do away with national boundaries. We should consider ourselves citizens of the planet. That's who we are, earthlings, and have a, a, con a planetary consciousness. That was the thrust of his life's work, and it was very, very closely aligned with uh, the esoteric traditions that grew out of theosophy and out of Alice Bailey's work with the arcane school. Now, along the way, he met many, many world leaders and powerful people. On one occasion, he writes in his autobiography about meeting a woman who was so beautiful that he could hardly believe his eyes. And he said to her, where are you from? And she looked at him and she said, well, I was born here on Earth, but I think I'm from Venus. Some six months later, he received a phone call uh, from a woman and she said, do you remember Valerie? This is the same woman. And, and he said, yes, of course I do. Are you Valerie? And she said, well, I am in Valerie's body, but I am not Valerie. And uh, I need to talk to you. It's very important. So they had a meeting and she explained that she was what we would call a walk-in. A, another entity, a spiritual being from Venus who was occupying Valerie's body. And she had a very important mission to share with Donald that the Venusians are planning to land one of their spaceships here on Earth and they want to have satellite hookups, they want to be on television globally and link up with computer systems worldwide so everyone on the Earth would be aware of this important UFO landing and visible, open communication with the Venusians. Now, of course, Venus is, is like about 800 degrees centigrade, but normal carbon-based life forms couldn't survive there. But in the theosophical tradition, there is another level of materiality. You could say astral or some other etheric plane and that beings do exist on Venus and they have an advanced culture and spaceships. And in fact, one of the great hidden masters Sanat Kumara was from Venus, but he traveled to Earth to help with Earth's evolution. And Donald Keyes bought into this completely. So he agreed to work with this woman. He was now calling her V to contact, use his contacts at the United Nations and elsewhere to help prepare the world for this important landing. Uh, he implies they actually met with the Secretary General at the UN who said to them, well, I know what you're telling me is real, but because of rules and regulations, there's nothing I can do to help you. But Donald went on, and even though they failed to get the national TV 
people involved. They really failed to organize anybody. They were ready for the landing. Somewhere in, I think it was the Haleakala Crater on Maui in Hawaii. And he went there on the appointed day with a group of people. He thought he was being watched by government agents. There were strange people snooping around the hotel, paying attention to his comings and goings. But they went into the crater. They were ready for the landing. And then he said it happened in the way we would expect from the movie Close Encounters of the Third Kind. I presume a big cloud appeared in the sky. And he said, yes, the spaceship was inside the cloud and they were coming in for the landing. But at the last minute, he says, they called it off. Why? Because there were too many people around, government agents and the like. It wasn't safe. It would have been dangerous, he said. It never occurred to him, at least in his autobiography, to question the validity of the entire premise. I didn't get that in Donald's book at all, even though he describes many mishaps and struggles in his autobiography. Well, I've been puzzling over this because, let's face it, I worked with Ted Owens and he told me he was going to uh, cause a UFO to appear in the San Francisco Bay Area, that it would be a great sighting, seen by hundreds of people, photographed. He said the photograph would appear on the front page of a local newspaper. That all happened within days of him telling me he could feel the energy. and, and uh, So, I know that these things are possible. I know that remote viewers are able to travel in their mind and come back with accurate information about distant locations. So, I didn't feel that I could just dismiss Donald Key's description of traveling in spaceships, even though he admits it's sort of a meditative experience. He knows his physical body is in his house and he was living at Mount Shasta, a location famous for UFO sightings, famous as well for many esoteric organizations based there and people reporting enormous visionary experiences on this mountain. Sometimes whole religions have been founded on the basis of this. Mount Shasta is known for that. And I didn't want to dismiss it out of hand because it seems like, well, it could be. It could be. How do we know? How do we decide? Well, I can tell you this. Donald Keyes actually, when I met him, made a prediction of sorts. He said he'd been in touch with the Galactic Federation and they had assured him that the UFO abductions were going to stop. Now, the key is, have they stopped? Uh, I, I'm under the impression from my scanning of the literature, they slowed down a lot for sure. And uh, starting in around 1990, there was an enormous decline, I believe, in reports of UFO abductions. But to my knowledge, they do still continue. The reports continue. Although, who knows? Because the abductees very often say these are dream experiences or experiences associated with a, a phenomenon known as dream paralysis. The key point is this. The best way to test claims of this sort or of any other sort, including claims of a political nature, and, and of course many claims are made on all sides, I say this. Use the empirical method. Look for verifiable facts. 
That's one of the best ways to make a distinction between people who are deluded, who have bought into some sort of a fictitious story that they believe is real, versus people who are telling you the truth. Because the best way to distinguish between truth and falsehood is to look at the facts. Now, in this case, I'm not 100% sure I know what the facts are regarding UFO abductions. You'd really have to be an expert to suss it out. Uh, It's not clear that UFO abductions are even real in the sense of uh, that they uh, take place in a physical reality, although there, I have to say there's certainly some evidence pointing in that direction. So, if UFO abductions have continued beyond, let's say, 1995, if, if we have valid cases of physical UFO abductions with witnesses, for example, taking place when people are wide awake and perhaps outdoors, not asleep in their beds, If such cases can be documented since 1995, then Donald Keyes was simply wrong, just as he was simply wrong about a UFO landing in the Haleakala crater. Ted Owens, on the other hand, tried over and over and over again with real empirical demonstrations to convince scientists during his lifetime. He died in 1987. But aside from myself and a handful of other people, people didn't even want to look at the data, which is quite interesting in and of itself. Well, what's in all of this for you? I suspect that, like me, you're confronted from time to time by people who make various claims about things, and you wonder, how can you evaluate the claims? They may seem consistent with various religious or esoteric traditions you've been studying, and surely that is one basis upon which you can evaluate. But I would suggest to you that you should seriously consider the empirical method. We've developed the scientific method on uh, Western culture uh, over centuries. It is quite evolved. It's by no means perfect. One can find all sorts of problems with science, but it's probably the best method that we have, even for looking at these very, very exotic claims such as those made by Donald Fraser keys. Well, that's food for thought. I hope you do think about it. And once again, thank you. Thank you for being with me.